What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Browner and Lawhead. I'm John Browner, as always, joined by my fantastic co-host, Jason Lawhead, here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. If you're driving around in your car, if you are listening to us in your, on your phone, you're probably doing it via podcast, or if you're watching us on your computer, or probably also on your phone, you're doing that through YouTube at Kaplan and Crew. We are part of the Great Friends Podcast Network, where we bring this thing to you Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, to have some fun, 6 to 7 p.m. We always have a slogan. By the time you get to us, you already know what you know. So we just have fun with what you know. I think that's the official slogan. I think that's what we're going to do. Oh, I like that. that. Yeah. yeah, you already know what you know, so we're going to have some fun with what you know. Bam! Jason, what's up, man? How's it going? Well, you know, I've traded my my uh, Santa hat for just a winter hat because it's so dang cold. We've been talking about that. It's dark and dreary and cold. And, uh, but you know, that's go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but you know, uh, you know, it's still a beautiful day, right? Uh, Have you seen that little, uh, I don't know if you've seen that, um, young little I think African kid that's singing they put music behind it yeah uh what was uh uh, something for joy something for pain uh that little song I I wish I would have prepared all these uh it's a beautiful basically stealing it it, yeah yeah and then all these guys making money off this poor kid who's in like a you know one room hut you know a million miles away who has this beautiful voice and this the way he sings it but anyway that's been an inspiring little thing for me to kind of realize like look at this kid you know probably got nothing you know hoping (laughs) hoping he can have just any type of education and uh but you know he sings it's a beautiful day rain sunshine whatever it is pain joy um so yeah even though i'm freezing cold and it's dark and dreary and we're getting uh what do they call it the bomb cycle cyclone even though we're not getting the worst of it down here we're just getting remnants it's uh it's still a beautiful day i gotta tell you man i'm glad i'm glad you brought that up not the tcu part because we'll get to that on the show today we're gonna somehow try to make sense of last night's debacle um we're also gonna talk about carlos correa now on his third team in free agency with his third multi-hundred million dollar deal which you know does he still have a leg like what's the problem with the leg uh, and, and Sean McVay might retire, which you, literally has me pulling out my hair, and I'll explain why. Um, but before we get to any of that, I, Jason spoke about the weather, and, and the light bulb went off because I'm, I'm pissed about this, and I'm ready to talk about it because this is the platform where we do these things. If you are out in the rain, if you're listening to this, and the weather conditions are unsafe for you, get off the road. Mm-hmm. Don't play uh, – you're not in Jumanji, bro. Like, you drive a Ford Focus. You can't put the hood under the water, okay? If you live in San Diego, you know there are certain – if you're new to San Diego, let me educate you on a couple of things. One, if you're going north on the 163 and you turn to go east on the 8, that curve is slippery. If it's raining and you're going above the speed limit, you will wipe out, Okay. That's one. Two, places flood here. They do. Streets flood. And I mean they flood, flood. So, therefore, if you are in an area and the water looks suspect, turn around. And if you live in that area and you think you can make it, turn around. Because it ain't worth it. I saw a guy being rescued this morning on Fox 5. 
The water was going over the hood and hitting the windshield. My man, what made you think you could make it across that in your Nissan? What? <laughs> what? Like, now your life is in danger. Their life is in danger because the water is going so fast it's unpredictable. You don't know what's flowing under there because it's waist height. It is waist height. In California, the water is waist height in some places. So I don't know what to tell y'all other than protect yourself, okay? You're not in some adventure, okay? You're not Bear grills, bro. Turn around. Right. It's if you're going to go outside or if you need to go do something, get a kayak. At least the people in San Francisco, some of those smart people are smart. They got kayaks. They're just kayaking down their street. Uh, I just just don't understand how somebody can – because this guy this morning really got me going on this whole thing. How could you miscalculate that? Like when you were looking at a a, a small lake that just appeared on the street within two hours, what made you think, you know, I can make it through this? I can make it through this. That's not an off-road vehicle, bro. You are in a Nissan, okay? A Nissan. And it's not one of them things where they have like this, uh, you know, sometimes there's a thing attached to the engine and it goes on top of the car where the exhaust blows out because they go on like around the river a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That ain't one of those. This is just some economy car that gets stuck in traffic most of the day. Like, bro, you, don't risk your life. You know what would be fun, though? Just just because you could do it is, you know, get it, get get one back in the system. Go rent like an economy car. Get the full insurance, pay for, sign off, pay for the full yeah. insurance, and just <laughs> go just take that right thing. In. Just plow that thing into an underpass 10 feet of water. Make sure the windows are down first so you can get out of there. <laughs> but that would be fun because I'm going to tell you something. That's the one time if I'm an insurance company and you're dumb knucklehead and you were came I, that's the one time i'd stick up for the insurance company going you did what no no we ain't covering anything no 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 nah, no, fam. no, no, no. Nah, man you, you nah. drove the car where nah, nah. we'll you see you in court what on what day right i mean everything we all have apps we know what the weather is you didn't get blindsided by this so it's, uh, not- it's not like the river fell on you like you <laughs> yeah, exactly into it like right when- Again, this ain't Jumanji, bro. It it didn't fall out of the sky because somebody rolled the dice, man. Like you saw the water, you saw it, right? Like, oh man, yeah, that just gets me going. Anyway, another thing that gets me going. If you thought TCU was gonna win that game last night, I don't know what to tell you. I've never, I, I, I now I gotta be full disclosure. I tapped out at halftime because when they threw it in, when it was twenty-four to seven, I thought if they it. could at least get a field goal on the board. Now this will be manageable. Georgia does get the ball after halftime, but you can go into the halftime with some momentum. You put some points on the board, so you come out with a little bit of confidence. This clown threw an interception, and then they scored. And at that point, I was like, there's no need for me to be watching this game. So there were way more losers last night than there were winners, Mm -hmm. period. The college football committee that let Georgia, that, that let TCU into this, they lost last night. The viewers lost last night espn lost last night like you know that the rights the cost for the rights to these games nobody's watching a game 35 to 7 if you watch the first two quarters of that game because the other it wasn't going the other way in the second half like this game georgia won big and georgia was the only person who won last night because i that game was unwatchable how long did you stick around 17 7 that was, I told damn, you yesterday on the show, once it's, 
Yeah, well, well, I told you yesterday. If if TCU gets down two two scores, it's over. It, it's over. And when they went what three and out, and it was they were punting on fourth and twelve on the first possession, seventeen seven. When Georgia got the ball back again, you knew Georgia was getting the ball in the second. You could just see it. I just I could see it. And I went back. By the time I turned it off, and then at seventeen seven, I went back and looked. It was thirty one seven. I never watched. I, I just went to just check this. Boom, went back to check the score. 31-7, I turned it back off and said, Han, what do you want to watch tonight? <laughs> Anything. I'll watch A Bachelor at this point. I don't care. Um, because it, it's, you know, and the sad part is, is, is obviously the only thing that was going to do anything for college football and the expansion to the playoff was TCU showing up. And even if they lost, they had to have lost a, a nail biter. They had to have had lost a game like the first two semifinal games played out. It Correct. had to be one of those types of games for people to go, wow, man, TCU, what the, what a great you know, what a great story. Da, da, da. And if had they won that game, it would have been a huge win for college football and the playoff and the expansion. General, but I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Right now, college football has painted themselves into a corner because the parody, the lack of parody in college football is at its worst I've ever seen. I mean, there's two or three programs, maybe just two. I mean, they'd be better off probably going back to the old format of just finding the best two voting on those two and playing the national title game like they used to in, a, in an orange bowl setting and, and, and bolster up these bowl games like, like they used to be, but now they're stuck. They're say, they, And I'm going to tell you something. It's gotten to the point where the, the, the lack of parity almost looks like women's college basketball 15 or 20 years ago in the heydays of Pat Ooh. Summit and the early days of Gino Arimania when it was just like, what are we doing here? There's two programs. And, and even in the final four, like Tennessee and, and, and UConn would destroy these teams that would supposedly be in the final four. Now, women's basketball has actually caught up. I mean, you know, yes. what I'm saying is, you know, there's still a, 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 a it's evolved. This, this parody of a lot of programs. But football is at a point where you almost might – the only way that you might save college football, I know that there's these NIL deals, but that's just kind of off the map. I mean, if college football wants a 12-team expansion and, and and have anything that's worth anything, I mean, it's just you, – you're going to have to almost say – Buckle into the hole. We got to pay these guys and we got to put a salary cap on programs so it can even out. You almost have to say, screw the NIL deals. Let's go in and let's pay these kids. Let's give a program a salary cap. Let's stay on top of it so they can only recruit. They can only get so much because look at the NFL, right? The NFL has what? 14 teams now that go to the playoffs and they have enough parity where when you go into a playoff scenario, um, there's about six teams that can win it. The other eight teams, maybe one of those eight teams could knock off one of those six teams in an early matchup. But if it's five of those six that we thought going in or four of those six left, one of those teams are probably going to win it. So even at 14 teams in the NFL with as good as the parity is, um, you know, look, the Dolphins ain't, ain't going or winning the Super Bowl. Um, no. the, uh, Seahawks ain't going or winning the Super Bowl. They might ain't going to no. beat anybody. So think about that. And now you're going to put 12 college teams. See, but this is where I disagree with you. And I'm so glad you feel that way. This is where I disagree with you because the 12 team playoff, we will never have this problem again because 
TCU can't win that. They can't beat three teams like that. They beat Michigan. Well, because there's always one in the bag, right? Can we agree on that? An upset can happen once. Once. You can get an upset once. You TCU wouldn't be able to beat Michigan, then beat Ohio State, then beat Georgia. So, therefore, a 12-team playoff will cancel this out. Because I didn't think TCU yeah. belonged there in the first place to begin with. But because they got in, this needed to happen. This needed to be flushed out of people's system. It had to be. Because we they did the same thing with Cincinnati. Oh, Cincinnati deserved to be in. And then they did the same thing with TCU. Oh, TCU deserved to be in. They lost their championship game. Who cares? Well, uh, competition cares. The second they played a tough game, they got beat. But then they came back and beat Michigan. And the people are like, oh, Michigan beat Ohio State because of Ohio State did so well. With Those are different athletes. Those are completely different types of players. And that was on full display last night. Like, Georgia's tight end looks bigger than some left tackles in the NFL. Like, this wasn't, this wasn't fair. Like, I mean, this Stetson was, Bennett's older than, like, eight NFL starting quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett's probably older than Sean McVay. Like, this is this was in, it was insane. It was hard to watch from a standpoint of people were yelling so loud for TCU to get their chance. And they literally got their chance. And it wasn't like, oh, they wet the bed. Georgia's so much better than them. So much better. There was no chance for them to win. Ohio State had real players. They had NFL players on their roster. Georgia has NFL players everywhere on their roster. So it wasn't Max Duggan might have been a first-round pick until last night game was over. Now he might be a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick because he got his clock cleaned by high-level players, which is what you would face at the NFL level. Yeah, and, and I get your point, but still, there's just still going to be massacres all over this college football playoff because you can't you can't put you can't put all the good teams against each other early in the playoffs and have Cincinnati playing TCU, so you have competitive games. I'm okay the seating, with that. The seeding is just going to be a whitewash until you get to the finals, and you better hope it's Ohio State and a Georgia, or an Alabama and Ohio State, or an Alabama and Clemson, or whatever, whoever the top two or three programs that are the only ones that could actually win the national title. So you're still only going to have out of 12 teams, two or three, maybe if if college football had two teams, basically that could win the national title, Michigan, Ohio state. That was a great story, but look at the end of the day, Ohio state was out coached and outplayed and, 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 you know, it was kind of, they're the bet. They were the they're the better football team, like you said on paper. When you look at NFL type of talent and quarterback yeah. and all that kind of stuff, so so would have Michigan given uh, Georgia a better game? Probably. Would it still have been a disappointing outcome? I think yes. so. I yes. think the national title was Georgia and Ohio State. And I think a lot of people believe that. I just don't feel that going to the twelve teams is going to do anything except give a false sense of pride to a bunch of schools saying we got in, and then you're going to get your clock cleaned in the first round, and then a month. And the national title game is going to be a month later. You're not. You're going to be so forgotten and long forgotten by the time the national title game rolls around. Whether you're a Cincinnati who gets in, or a Houston University who gets in, or another TCU, or whoever else they're going to pick from some other conferences that aren't the major three. I mean, it doesn't. So the point is, is that I think they painted themselves into a corner, and they've ruined a lot of really good bowl games that you used to be able to look forward to. 
they'd be better off going back to the one and two and, and having everybody fight and scrap for that to get to that. And, and yeah, you could argue maybe, but I'd rather go back and argue about the third and fourth place team and have those arguments like oh, we used to going, oh, man, no. they should have been in. That was with no, because guess what? It is what it is. It's not eight, nine, seven, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It's going to be ugly. It's going to get ugly. I hope it gets good, but I I think last night proved it's going to be bad. This is where I disagree with you when it comes to the one. Because this is is where we separate. This is where I disagree with you. We have to have the 12 teams. We need the six games because, therefore, we will never get this, what we got last night, ever again. In our current – if we would have had the six games, Alabama would have been in. USC would have been in. I think uh, – uh, USC would have gave up 1,000 yards to Georgia if they play in a game early matchup. Listen, yeah, they would have, but they would have scored 40. They'd have lost 70 to 40. Yeah, I don't know. They'd have would lost they have, 70 to 40, but they'd have scored 40 have, points. I don't know. And so for, have, for me, though, I need the window open so the competition can be out in front. If one and two just played and we didn't have other teams playing, there could be a viable option at number three. I can tell you right now. If TCU didn't get a chance to get boat raced out there, they would have said they deserved an opportunity. And they didn't. And they didn't. So this would uh, the 12-team playoff would allow us to then see these things. They would, it would allow us – it would give us a first-round version of what we got last night instead of a championship version of what we got last night where everybody lost. Nobody won in there other than the people of Georgia and rooting for Georgia. Another person who may have won, may not have won. I don't know, depending on how you look at this. This, I, this idea that people think Stetson Bennett is some kind of like uh, uh, franchise, NFL, like he's an NFL player now. And I look at Stetson Bennett as a 25-year-old guy who's played six years of college football, okay? Six. Six. Yeah, well... And, and if you think that a guy who – a competent guy, because I'm not saying he's dumb, a competent guy who did six years of practice can't go out there and do what he's done with the level of talent that he's playing with, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Stetson Bennett is not an NFL quarterback. He just ain't at all. Zero. I would rather have Tim Tebow than Stetson Bennett at the next level. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, but I, I don't, I, you know, look, Setson Bennett, you, like you said, he's 25. He's, uh, he's got all these great players around him. He's got, pfft, I mean, you look at, I don't care how great of a coach Nick Saban is, Kirby Smart, man, he's right there. I mean, yes. Kirby Smart yes. is as good of a college football coach as we've seen come down the pike in a long time, right? Like, um, and, you know, he's, he's put, you talk about a guy that stepped into a, a job. Yeah, Georgia's a good job. It's it's always been a good job. But what he's done to Georgia, he's taken that to a level where it was like college football was like for for the for the time Kirby Smart was arriving, college football was Nick Saban's, a little Adabo Sweeney's, and a little Urban Myers, right? I mean that that was it. Like those were the guys on the top of the hill. And Kirby Smart has come in there and he has made Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban kind of almost kneel to him, kneel to Zod. <laughs> and um, so they've got – so you you talk about a guy like Stetson Bennett. I'm not going to knock Stetson Bennett. He won two knock national titles in a row. I'm not going to knock how he performed for his team and the teammate he was 
He was a walk-on at 18. Everybody's like, he's a walk-on. Well, he's on scholarship. He was a walk-on at 18. He left. He came back. He was on scholarship. He, you know, maybe they got it wrong. No starting Freezing quarterback three. on a team like that has a walk-on starting, a walk-on quarterback stop it. Yeah. Well, he came in at 18 as a yeah. walk-on. He's yeah. been on scholarship. Yeah. yeah, of course. I mean, that was pre-Kirby Smart's, like, recruiting class. You know, maybe they dropped the ball on that one thinking, you know, guys overlook guys, right? But if you get enough time to mature, like you said, he's the age of a, a lot of college offensive coordinators. So you got an offensive coordinator. Right out there with all these offensive NFL weapons and uh you know he's he's under center he's being protected he's got an amazing run game and if you you know your tight ends and your wide receivers can catch passes in the play action and you're you did because they're way more athletic than anybody like a TCU but look at the end of the day what I'm saying is if we were at the old format right if the old format of one two we would have had a Georgia Michigan national title game Michigan doesn't win that game probably, but is it entertaining for the viewer? Is it two huge alumni bases flocking? Is it all this buildup to a to a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day bowl game because we don't have to worry about the the, the, the college football playoff? Welcome back to the second half of Browner and Lawhead. I'm John Browner, as always, joined by Jason Lawhead, who is now wearing a beanie of some sort yeah russell athletic i got it on sale at uh one of those marshall's or ross's whatever one of those Fit. one of those give it me the things good. people didn't buy so we can charge 10 percent less for it yeah exactly so you know Shut up. there you go it was a christmas present to myself at the time so everybody listening you're doing so via either the mighty 1090 espn in your car or you're listening to us via the itunes podcast or youtube if you're doing either of the latter Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. We are here Monday through Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. By the time you get to us, you know what you already know about sports, and we're just here to talk about what you already know. I don't even think that's the same thing I said in the first segment. I'll, I'll iron it out. I'll get that slogan better <laughs> for the show. I'll workshop that thing to where it's Workshop pristine. it. I like it. I'll workshop that thing to where it's pristine. Um, if you were with us in the first half of the show where we had our technical difficulty that you may or may not have known about. We talked a lot about the Georgia game and we talked about not being dumb in the weather. Uh, and so when uh, we were having this massive wave of the Padres signing like money guys, like, oh, the Padres, the Padres signed who? For how much? That turned out to be Xander Bogarts. Carlos Correa was one of those people in the mix. So it came out that Carlos Correa signed with the Giants after they couldn't get Aaron Judge. And something went wrong with the physical, in which I still think they realized, we don't want to give this guy this much money because he ain't Aaron Judge. The Mets went, well, we don't care. We're rich. We just burn money. Yeah, We'll take him. And then all of a sudden, the same excuse about his physical, him not passing the physical, had even the Mets be like, yeah, $300 million. Mm. Now we, what's up with his leg? We can't do that. Now he's on his third team, and his third team, now being the Minnesota Twins, for a $200 million contract. Jason, can you make any sense of this? No, I mean, he's like the Bitcoin of baseball players. <laughs> this guy, he started at 300 and, uh, what did he have? started at $350 million, and then it went to $315 million with the Mets, and these were 10, these were 13 and 12-year contracts. And now he's at a six-year deal for $200 million. And uh, I'm just waiting for the Twins to say, ah, no, no, no. I mean, by the time we get around, this guy's going to have – he's going to be wearing – you know those jackets? You ever seen those, like, 
those jackets with every major league logo on it. Yeah. Somebody, people wear like a hat with every NBA logo yeah. on it. Pretty soon he's going to have that at his final signing. He's just going to go all the way around the league and eventually be on a one-year $1.1 million yeah. deal. Dude. So I don't know, man. It's crazy. Like, And then just the disparity of, of the teams, right? I mean, San Francisco and then New York and all this big money. And now he's in one of the smallest markets <laughs> in the, in like a, not even close to baseball weather uh. um, for half the, half the deal, a fraction of the money. And uh, you know, Hey, look, if the leg's okay. And it, the funny thing is if the leg's okay and Correa continues to be the Correa that we've seen in the past, the twins got a great deal. The twins got a great deal. If that's the case, if the leg's bad, uh, we'll really never hear about it, you know, as he is, as long as he suits up for the twins, because the twins will be out of kind of the news of baseball with the twins. A certain the twins played, he was on the twins last year with this issue. So I don't, whatever's wrong with this leg, I don't know if we'll ever know, but whatever's wrong with this leg, it's so bad that a good player, possibly a great player, yeah, was literally turned away multiple times for failing a physical. If you have been around the world of sports, you know teams will take you hobbled if they think you're going to be okay. This looks like a situation where this thing is not going to be okay, and it's not going to be okay sooner than later. So I, I, I mean, I, I got to be honest. I once Carlos Correa left the Houston Astros. I really didn't follow his career when he was with the Minnesota Twins. I don't know how he opted out of a deal that he had so fast. But right, that was the weird part. Clearly, the opt-out came because maybe there was issues with the Twins had with the with the leg. And those issues manifested themselves in San Francisco and then manifested themselves again in New York. They got him back to – like, what's that call like? This is like, man, listen, I broke up with my girl. She saw me at the club the same night with some girl from, with, with San Francisco. And not only did she see me – at the club with San Francisco on my way home. Somehow we pulled up to the stoplight and I was on my way home with the Mets, a totally different girl. But by the time yeah. I got home, she was in the driveway and we just went in the house together. Like what? What? Yeah. It's strange because you know, like he opted out of a $105 million deal. They were considering giving him a 10 year extension for two eighty five. Then he goes and does the little tour we just talked about. Now he's back. For six years, two hundred million. I just, I mean, good luck to everybody involved in that situation. I mean, you know, uh, it's just it's it's weird. You know, I want to I want to put you on the spot with a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. do a, a would you rather? Okay. As the owner of an organization, would you rather have to deal with what Sean McVay is doing to the Rams, or with what Aaron Rodgers is doing to the Green Bay Packers? I'd rather, well, right now, if I'm, I, I'd probably rather deal with Rodgers, what Rodgers is doing to me. Crazy, Rodgers is older than McVay, <laughs> and he's the quarterback. <laughs> McVay's a coach. So I'd probably say for where we are, we just lost to the Lions. We just won eight and nine. We've usually kind of dominated that division. You can kind of see, um, look, you got to face reality whether Rodgers was happy camper and they went nine and eight and found their way into the playoffs. You know, he, he doesn't have much left. That's mm -hmm. just that's just, you know, he's not Tom Brady in the sense that this guy's going to play till he's 45 no. at that kind of a level. Right. Like he's just not 
that committed and, and obsessed, I don't think, with his body and, and just to the, the, sport. The, 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 to the sport and to a team. Like, you know, say what you want about Tom Brady. He might throw some tantrums on the sideline, but that guy is he's all behind his team, dude. He, he may yell at you at that time. He's got that Jordan type of getting your face in the huddle. But when we step back out on the field, we're all together. And I'm going to lead you in the huddle. And we're going to do everything we can to win this game. And I'm going to do everything in my power. I'm going to try to make you better while – I'm the greatest of all time. I just don't know if, you know, that that lives inside of Rodgers. So I'd probably say, give me that situation to deal with. I got a young head coach in the floor. We, we've gone, we, you know, look, you know, two quarterbacks in almost 30 years, basically 30 years. I mean, 30 years. They've had two quarterbacks in 30 years. Oh. Think about this. The, the the in the time the Green Bay Packers have had two starting quarterbacks, the Rams were in LA, left LA, went to St. Louis, and then left St. Louis and came back to LA. I mean, That's nuts, that. dude. That is nuts. Think about that. When Favre got the starting job, the Rams were the Los Angeles Rams. And um, so you know, I would probably say I'd rather deal with that if I'm because then I, you know, I have to move on at some point in right. whether it's the, even if he's a happy camper, then have to deal with McVay, have to deal with the, the, the fallout of we just won a championship a year ago. Uh, this was a guy that we kind of built the whole the whole culture around to fit personalities in there, bring in the Staffords, bring in the Von Millers, plug in some other big names, and then have to, you know, that kind of gets wiped out payroll-wise. And now if he leaves, where do we start over? Because it's not an attractive job now, right? It's really not an attractive job right now because – where they are personnel wise. See, I would disagree with that. I think that's the number one job if it comes open. And here's and, and, oh, I don't know about that. And let me and and and, I'm, and we can go back and forth with this. Let me so let me explain people the, the thought in which how we got to this point. Aaron Rodgers keeps whining about retirement for the last I think three years. Sean McVay in turn has whined about retirement now for the second offseason in a row. Now, if I'm a fan base or if I'm the owner of these organizations, which one of these headaches? Would I prefer? I would rather prefer the Aaron Rodgers version of this headache because this guy produces. We are more likely to win with a whiny quarterback than we are with a flip-floppy coach because there is no halfway in coaching. Either you are in or you yeah. are out. And the way that and it was reported today that he, in a meeting, told all his assistant coaches, if you guys want to look for other jobs, you can. I'm not going to hold you up because I'm not sure I want to continue to coach. If I'm the owner, I don't want to hear that. If I'm the owner, do we got the draft coming up in a, in, a, in a couple months. We got scouting. There's so much a head coach has to do as an owner because this guy won a championship. This ain't Bill Walsh, man. This ain't, no. this ain't Bill Belichick. This ain't, like, this ain't Pete Carroll. Like, you had a bad season after having a good season. Now you now can you really coach? This idea that because he won a Super Bowl at such a young age, well, Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl his I think his rookie year, his second year, and never got back. Like, what's mm -hmm. to say that this guy will ever get back there again? And maybe he knows that, and that's why he's retiring. But this idea that they did the whole F those picks and they went all in with trading for guys to win a championship and it worked out. If I'm a ready-made situation, do I do I even need to call this guy? No, because we ready-made. We're not firing our coach if we're ready-made. And if I'm and let me explain to you why this job is attractive to me. One, you get to live in Los Angeles. Two, your owner will spend 
any penny necessary to get any players. He'll build any facility. He'll buy you a house. Illegal. But he'll buy you. He will take care of you in whatever place you need to be taken care of to make sure that you are good to go as the coach. I don't – there's probably only three other areas. I think Pittsburgh would do that for Mike Tomlin. I think there's – I think Kansas City would do that for Andy Reid. I think there's a couple of locations where the owners will, no matter what, make sure that our head coach is okay. And if if I'm Sean Payton, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, if we're talking about jobs that are out there and I'm choosing between that job, the Arizona job, the Denver job, the Indianapolis job, my, my choice is easy. I'm choosing L.A. Well, under those circumstances, sure. But if McCarthy – which you can just you, you just know you oh. just know Dallas is going to go. That's in not a good job. Egg. You just know. You it. think that's a good job? If McCarthy's yeah. gone, yeah, if McCarthy. Yeah, it is. It is in the sense that there's there's obviously one of the top defensive units in football right there. And yeah, maybe Dak isn't the guy that people think Dak is. Other, I, I you know, I think he's more of a glorified Baker Mayfield. Yeah, but um, yeah, it is because. They've got really good players, young players, especially on the defensive end of the ball. Defense can can navigate you through a lot of bumpy roads in your offensive schemes. Look at the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, a great defense can buy you time throughout a season. It can allow you to start slow, and it can allow you to catch up, and it can allow the pieces to form offensively and for you to kind of build – So. Yeah, I think Dallas, and, and if McCarthy doesn't win that game, I mean, I, I in my opinion, it's a foregone conclusion if they lose to Tampa Bay, he's gone. And I almost feel like Jerry Jones is looking at McCarthy going, dude, you got to win too. You got to win too. We should have you – know, I think he looks at the, the, the Eagles as a team that like, yeah, they got up to a better start, and we had Dak hurt for a while, but we're the best team in the NFC East. And you better go in and beat Tampa, and you better go into Philly, who's coming off a bye week, and their quarterback, you know, bumped up a little bit, and you better go beat them. And if you don't, you're gone. So, um, but as far as L.A., I mean, it is an attractive job. I'm just saying right now, like to step into right now, it is, there is a rebuild there because you don't know. The answers are on, you know, answers on Stafford are, are, are questionable. He did say he's going mean, to play next year, but he, I mean, again, right, he's got but, a but neck that doesn't injury. mean, but that doesn't, right. He's got a neck injury and, and he's not young. It's not like he's just going to bounce back. Like Correct. he's not a young quarterback. I mean, he gave you what you went out and got him for. Correct. Then he got hurt. Then he got hurt. Which you know, does. it'd be one thing if Stafford didn't get hurt and they just, they just fell a little short this year, but you know, you kind of got through the year and you knew he was 100% going into the next season. It'd be one thing, but you know, um, I mean, obviously, you know, big deal. Mayfield had one good game against the Broncos and, and he came off the bench a little bit, but the rest of it, yeah, he's not your quarterback. So Stafford's coming back. Yeah. How good is he going to be? How good is the rest of that offense going to be? Um, you know, and so, I don't know, as good as the 49ers look for the short-term and, and even long-term future. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's a great, great job right now. It's a great job, but right now. I think I think the Cowboys job is going to open up because you can just feel. You just know. You just know they're going to go lay an egg. And the Buccaneers and Brady won't even have to play well for that to happen. I, They'll if, just lay an egg. If the Cowboys, If the Cowboys don't win... <laughs> It ain't, it ain't Mike McCarthy's fault, man. 
But he's gone though. But, and, and this and and this goes back to the issue I have with that organization. Jerry Jones is overly involved, and you can't. Sure. And the problem with that is you can't fire the owner. Jerry Jones paid Dak way too much money after paying Zeke way too much money and turned around and expected for him to overpay subpar players and to get uh, high. Get what, he never got what he paid for on either of those dudes. That's not on Mike McCarthy. But the way that the structure set up, Mike McCarthy will get all the blame if they don't win. Now, the Bucs have played terrible, terrible to close out the season. Terrible. But they got the same weapons. Tom Brady's still there. Mike Evans still there. Leonard Fournette's still there. They still got the championship formula. The people, the coaching staff is pretty much the same with the exception of Bruce Arians who went upstairs because Tom Brady was like, hey, you, you're too mean. Get out of yeah. here. So I if I but I would I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if the Cowboys lost because they're not playing. No, they're gonna they're not lose. playing some scrub. They never beat Tom Brady. Right. Tom Brady's never lost to the Cowboys. They're not playing some scrub team who eat. They're not playing the Seahawks. Some team that just somehow magically found their way in because another team lost and another team lost. They won. Look up. Hey, through the process of elimination, we're the winner. Like, they're not playing that. They're playing the Bucs. They're playing arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. And who still in has it? Building. In his home building. In his home and, building. So I And they know, and he knows how to win games. He's won games playing poorly. He's done it his whole career. Yes. yes, he's been great in a lot of football games, but he's also advanced in a lot of games that he didn't play he well. He won the a lot of games whole. without his fastball. And they're going to unleash them. that defense on Dak Prescott. And let me tell you something. I'd rather have Tom Brady under center on an 8-9 team than Dak Prescott under at home under center on a twelve or what are they thirteen and four yeah thirteen and four twelve and five twelve and five uh, then on a twelve and five team that's on the road in any day of the week I don't care you're kidding me I don't care and it's not like the Cowboys have Mike McCarthy's proved like he's some much greater coach than Cowboys. There, there isn't a lot of advantages that the Cowboys have going into this game statistically all all the trends everything says they're gonna go lay an egg. If you ask me, if, if, okay, you know what? Since we're here, let's do list. Let's do John's list, okay? Okay. Let's bring back John's list because we're going to talk about these John's games list. tomorrow. But we're going to do a, John's list. It's like a, it's like, it's like a, the, the website, John's list. We're, we're going to do a John's list just impromptu. Head coach. I'll go first and then uh, I'll go first. Head coach, draw. Draw. I was just going to say that. Quarterback, Tampa Bay. Not even close. Uh, skill positions, Tampa Bay. I'd say draw. Okay. I, no, you know what? You know what? I'll give you Tampa Bay by an inch only because Brady turns those skilled position players better than Dak does, okay? But, you know, you talk about C.D. Lamb, you talk about Elliott, you talk about Pollard, you talk about some really good skilled players, there's no doubt. But I, I will. I'll, I'll agree with you on a slight edge only because Brady takes them to that level. Defense. I would say Dallas has a better defense. But, the, but Tom, will they scheme better? Correct. Tom Brady has seen every defense 50 times. Mm -hmm. And so as good as Michael Parsons is, Tom Brady can eliminate that because he's just going to get yeah. rid of the ball. You, mm -hmm. it, They ain't got the Bears offensive line. He can get rid of the ball in two seconds. Like he's, By the time he gets his back foot, Tom Brady is smart enough to know this guy is coming. Gone, gone. Gone. So, it, like, 
the the wisdom and the and the skill of Tom Brady kind of nullifies what the Cowboys do best. Like they have a great, they got a couple good secondary right. pieces, but again, he knows that, so he's not going to be throwing 50-50 balls to somebody who ain't Mike Evans. Cowboys' only chance is to hold that running game to two yards a carry or less. Because yep. if they get three and a half yards a carry or yep. more, Brady They're will dead. pick them apart. He will, he will, like you said, that's how you eliminate a Micah Parsons. That's how you eliminate the skilled players on that defense is mm-hmm. just running it enough. You don't have to run it down their throat right. with a guy like Brady and you got Evans on the edge. You just have to run it enough. So if the Dallas Cowboys can't come up front and smash the crap out mm-hmm. of that line and, and and push back and get penetration and clog that running game to two yards of carry where Brady has to throw it 60 times, then they don't have a chance. Because if Brady's if, – if he's getting able to get off play action and he's able to just get off play action and get that running game to three, three and a half yards, three and a half, four yards of carry even in between that number, then he only has to throw it. You know, he'll still throw it a lot, but he won't have to throw it 38, 40 times. That's the recipe. If Tom Brady – Gets three and a half yards from that running game. This is over. This, yep. this game's over. And, and, and it might get ugly because I, Tampa Bay's defense can hold water. They, they they won't get ran off the field, I don't think. They won't get ran off no, the field. No, they won't get ran off. Not by Dak Prescott in that offense. No, they, they will shoot themselves in the foot even if they are moving. Dak Prescott will turn the ball over. He'll either fumble it. He'll throw it away. He'll, they're not going to run them off the field. No way. Dak Prescott. Not has, even in Dallas they wouldn't do that, Dak, even if it was a home game. Dak Prescott, his interceptions are up. He's Seven straight games with a turnover. Seven straight. And, and to be perfectly honest, they coach that team different. Then when Cooper Rush is there, when Cooper Rush was there, it was run first. When Dak came back, they kept they started throwing more, and that tells you everything you need to know about yep. why you don't pay that guy. But guess what? We got so much more to talk about. We're literally probably just gonna do a John's List episode tomorrow when it comes to these playoff games. Brown and Longhead, yeah. we'll see y'all tomorrow. Thanks for joining Mighty 1090 ESPN. Peace. Peace.